been real easy. Uh, I remember when we first came that that <clears throat> Darla decided that, that she wanted to homeschool the kids. And uh, some people are called to do that, and some are not. And <laughs> we're not called <laughs> to homeschool. <laughs> I'm just saying, there's nothing bad. It's just like, it's just like, that was tough. But uh, it hasn't, there's been a lot of challenges here, but as you can see, the rewards were immense, and we've had a lot of blessings from everybody just by persevering. How many knows that sometimes in your marriage, <clears throat> you come out of a season of problems much stronger than you went into them? If you'll persevere through those problems, your marriage is stronger. And that's really uh, kind of what has happened with us here at the, at the church. We've tried to persevere through the hard moments. There's been times when people have gotten mad actually here at church. And, and, and I tell them, like, well, I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm not leaving. <laughs> so, so we just decided we was going to stick around because we felt like God called us here and, and it, that we found a home when we got here. And so I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for all of the mothers here today. Thank you. Uh, let's all be really nice to our moms and call your mom up today and, and uh, tell her how much you love her and how much you appreciate her. And uh, I'm just grateful for that. The, the, the title of my message this morning, uh, we are continuing a series called The Promised Life. The following after the Resurrection Sunday and Easter Sunday, we've been in a series. The first week we talked about no grave that actually Jesus only needed a borrowed grave. He only needed to borrow the tomb for three days because he wasn't going to use it for very long. And the truth is that if we believe what we really preach and what Jesus said, that he is the God of the resurrection, that there will be a time when we will be caught up to meet him with the Lord. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to be with him. And then it says, so shall we ever be with the Lord. And this is what we in Christianity call the blessed hope because it's not all about the temporal things of life. It's about the eternal things. And those are the more important things. Can you say amen? And really it's so important for each one of the mothers because you have given, been given the gift of life inside of you when you have that baby that you begin that eternal process in that baby. And then the scripture tells us that eternity is in the heart of every person. So when that baby is consumed in the, is not consumed, conceived, uh, <laughs> conceived, not consumed, conceived. What a difference a little phrase, a little word makes. <laughs> That eternity begins. So, sweet. I'm going to get back to my notes, if you don't mind. <laughs> Ooh, good. So today we want to talk about no chains. No, that was last week. That was Pastor Amber. Did a great job. Thanks, Pastor Amber. And this three-service business is, is challenging, so you, you know us old guys need a lot of help. So I appreciate Pastor Amber and all the other 
speaking pastors that help us here. But today, we want to talk about no pain. And I thought it was interesting that, that we talk about no pain on Mother's Day. <laughs> and it's interesting because you remember when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, and, and God, they had... We believe that they, they had the perfect life, the, the life that we would have in heaven, uh, that because sin entered into them, the, the curse was that the women will have pain in childbirth and that the men will make a living by the sweat of their brow. And so because of that, pain entered into the world. We know that we will be redeemed one day from the pain of sin, that there'll be no more sorrow, no more crying, no more separation. It says, for the former things will have passed away. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to the day when I won't have any more pain. Is anybody with me this morning? I don't really enjoy it very well. I don't take pain very good, but I have to live with it. So the process of healing, when the old order of things has passed, it's a healing for our mind, our will, and our emotions. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I have to check my motives in everything that I do. I have to check my mind. Why am I doing what I'm doing? What am I doing that is glorifying God? And why do I do it? So my mind, my will, does my will line up with God's will? And is, 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 is the things that I'm doing in my life what God has already planned in heaven? You remember the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done on earth as he has already planned it in heaven. And the challenge for mothers, and I would just say this, we... I. I hesitate to preach specific sermons to specific groups of people because sometimes when that happens, all the other people go, well, this ain't for me. <laughs> this, is, this is for everybody, okay? And it, if it applies to the mamas, it applies to the daddies. And if it applies to the daddies, it applies to the kids. And if it applies to the kids, it applies to the grandparents. And if I didn't cover you yet, the single people, it's for you as well. So eternity is the ultimate deletion of the old order of things. It says, if in this life, everybody say if. If in this life we have hope, in this life only we have hope, we are of all men most miserable. If this is all there is, and some religions Teach that. Well, this is all there is. There's no eternity. There's no life after it. I mean, it's like, if in this life only we have hope, we are of all men most miserable. So there's no way that we can completely comprehend eternity because we are finite people living in a finite world and we look through a glass dimly, as the scripture says. When I look through that, that those back doors, there's a, there's, that, that glass, and I can't see very good, but I see people walking out back there, and I'm like, how come they're not in church? <laughs> but it's dimly. I don't have the whole message. But it's the same way with eternity, and that's why we come to church, and that's why we 
take time out of our schedule to worship God. We, we, we want to know more about God because none of us will ever completely get it until we get to heaven and we have this, this, Im, this immortal body. So in, in John chapter 5, 1, and this is the scripture that a lot of our, our Bible studies, the men's, women's Bible studies, the, all, of the, all of our life group Bible studies, they're going through all of, of these scriptures, the same scriptures, and you'll be going through them in your specific life groups. Uh, but one of the scriptures is John chapter 5, verse 1, and it's talking about the, the healing of the, the man at the pool of Siloam. And in John chapter 5, verse 1, it says this. It says, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals, and when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to be well? I've always been intrigued by that question because I would think that this one person in the group of a multitude of people, Jesus came up to this one person and he asked him, do you want to be well? And what he said was, he says, I don't have anybody to help me touch the water because when, when the water would be troubled, he, they would go down and touch the water and the first person to touch the water would be healed when the angel would touch the water. He said, I don't have any help. And Jesus said, take up your mat and follow me. But he asked the question, do you want to be well? And I thought it was a funny question because who wouldn't want to be well? And then I look around and I see some people they may not really want to be well. It's like, it's like they kind of enjoy pity. They kind of want people that, oh, I'm so sorry. Always hurt, always got a problem. And do you really, and I would just ask this today, if you have a problem in your life, do you want to be well? I'm talking about physically, physically, but also spiritually. I'm talking about emotionally. I'm talking about socially. I'm talking about uh, your marital issue. Do you want to be well? Because God has a place of healing for everybody and everything. Sometimes we're going to have to wait until we get healed in till we get to heaven, but there is healing for us here today because we believe that God still heals people completely and the miraculous still happens in God's church today because we serve a miraculous God. We believe that. So getting well seems to be a good question for many today with so many moral questions hovering over America today. Roe versus Wade, an amazing victory for our babies. The, the nation today, uh, it, uh, we believe, is they're going to take down this evil legislation that was birthed in the underbelly of Satan himself. <laughs> Abortion, that God can take, a, take that. And I'm going to tell you something. I... Uh, our Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick has done as much, if not more, than anybody in our nation today to make this something. It's been something that was birthed in his heart that we, and he talked talk to me about it, like, we're going to take, we're going to 
get rid of this Roe versus Wade legislation. And he's been talking about this for years. And, and I got to admit to you, when he said that, I was like, I'll be praying. <laughs> but now it's really happening. And there's a victory for the church of the living God today because God still rules in the kingdoms of men. I'm so grateful for that. I'm a country boy. I just think about country things. I, I don't think it's natural. Uh, let me just say this before I say that. If you've had an abortion, there's a place of healing for you too. And that's the reason we have post-abortion Bible studies is because we don't want this to be a place of condemnation. We want this to be a place of healing. And we've, is there anybody here that hasn't ever done something stupid? And if you raise your hand, you need to come down to these altars when church is over because we've all done, we've all sinned. I can't hear you very good. I said, I said, we've all sinned. Come short of the glory that God has for us. We had a, we had a cat one time and she'd eat her kittens. I mean, she, she's just a stupid cat. But it's not natural. Y'all with me? It's just not natural. Aren't you glad you're at Cowboy Church? <laughs> so Revelation chapter 21, verse 4 says this. I love, I love this. It says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Is any I remember my mom <clears throat> as a teenager, and, and she was doing dishes, and she was crying while she was doing dishes, and I don't, I don't even know. And I said, Mom, what's the matter? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. You know, she's trying to suck it up, you know, doing dishes. Any moms here, you, you just sometimes get overwhelmed with life and you just, you just start crying. I want to, to bring hope to you. There's going to come a day whenever God will dry every tear from your eyes. Yeah. And, and the, the former things, the, the painful things, and really honestly, the only thing that makes our world stupid is the things that God calls sin. The only thing that messes up this world is sin because it, before sin came into the world, it was a perfect world. God allowed <clears throat> sin by the choices. He gave people a choice. You see, we can choose life. He says, I set before you life and death. And then he says, if you don't know the answer, choose life. He's like, he's like, I, li I, loved, I loved it when I was in school and they had the answer in the back of the book. I was like, <laughs> and you write the answer down. The answer is choose life. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 in the New Living Translation, it says, the Lord disciplines those he loves. The Lord <laughs> disciplines the ones he loves. He's not just talking about the kids here. Sometimes us parents need discipline as well. Now, I've never had, like when my dad, he, like, he wasn't very creative with his discipline. It was like, the belt. You just, it's just, it was like the belt was the answer to every problem and every issue and every problem you had. We could just take care of this right now. And my dad could pull his belt off faster than Napoleon could draw his sword. 
But not one time when my dad would discipline me did I say, oh, thanks, Dad. I really needed that. I appreciate you giving me a weapon. I'm so, oh, so, oh, thank you, thank you. No, it says no discipline is pleasant, but we all need discipline. And if we're not careful, we will embrace a world that rewards the undisciplined. That everybody gets a trophy. No matter whether you work hard for it or you don't work hard for it. Let me tell you something. That is not the way the world is supposed to work. The Bible says that we must have discipline. And who God loves, he disciplines. And God loves you and he loves me enough to discipline us. I've got horses and I'm a, I trained horses in high school. I trained horses in college, made a living through college, trained them after I've, I've been on horses all my life. And I've been on undisciplined horses and I've been on disciplined horses. But the, one of the things that I've noticed is that every horse has a different personality. And you have to discipline that horse according to his personality. And if you discipline all of those horses the same way, the same way, then, and, and there's a lot of people that call themselves horse trainers. And they discipline kind of like my dad. He's like, oh, one thing. <laughs> and it's not always the answer. And we need wisdom. Does anybody need some wisdom when it comes to disciplining your kids or disciplining yourself? Need more wisdom? I think we all need that. And we have a whole plethora. That's a word I learned a while back. A whole plethora of people here, different types of people. And we must pay attention because we are fearfully and wonderfully made, as God says. So we can be creative with our discipline of our children because God is creative with his discipline of us. I mean, I can sit here and tell you illustration after illustration how God gave me a whipping, so to speak. Tune on me because I need tuning on. I don't know anybody that doesn't need tuning on. So if we, we don't lead our children, somebody else will be happy to lead them for us. If we don't teach them, they won't learn. And if we don't correct them, then they won't know. And if there are no consequences, then there will be no change in their lives. We need wisdom to know how to raise our children. Since 1973, there have been 63 million abortions. 63 million abortions. According to a study published by Scientific Reports, an explosion of zinc fireworks occurs when a human egg is activated by a sperm enzyme. The intensity of the Sparks, scientists say, indicates the egg's potential to develop into a healthy embryo. I just learned that this week. I did not know that. That there's a spark at conception. And you know what God said when he created the world. He said, let there be, let there be light. And when there's the creation of a human being in the belly of a 
a beautiful mother, there's a spark, and God says, let there be light. That's why we believe that, that, that life begins at conception. Because God says, let there be light. There's a spark. We always thought there was a spark, but we didn't know where. So there was a mother, she had uh, uh, three notorious kids and she was asked, she said, if you uh, had to, to do all over good again, would you have children? And she said, oh, I, yeah, sure I would, but not the same ones. <laughs> I see that hit a note with somebody. So we have to admit it that there's days when all moms feel this way. However, the end of the day, if you had to do it all over, you would have the same wonderful, beautiful, at times disobedient and destructive yet priceless children. I always thought that I was, be, I was a perfect parent until I was one. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of challenges. There's a story about a guy named Sir Robert Watson Watt the inventor of the radar, the radar detector. And he was arrested for speeding. He's reported pulled over by a policeman with a radar gun and allegedly Robert Watts said to the policeman, had I known that you were going to do what you were going to do with it, I would have not invented it. <laughs> it's interesting that we don't really know how to handle certain situations until those certain situations arrive. So I just want to challenge everybody today to, to ask God, especially the mother, since it's Mother's Day, but everybody else to ask God for wisdom because the Bible teaches, it says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives it liberally. Now, the point is, is that we have to ask. But first of all, we need to understand that we lack wisdom. And that requires humility. And if we are humble people, then we will be teachable people. And if mothers and fathers are teachable, then they will teach their kids to be teachable. But when we give the air that we know it all, then we will raise kids that think that they So goes the mom and dad, so goes the kids. Please don't ask your kids not to do something that you already do. If you ask your kids not to cuss, don't be surprised when they cuss if you cuss. It's interesting being the preacher. People come to me everywhere out in the arena and stuff. and it's, I have a reputation for being a preacher. And they, a lot of times when somebody cusses in front of me, they immediately apologize, which I think is honorable. But I tell them, I said, you don't really need to apologize to me. I'm not God. You see, we must live the same way out in the world that we live when we're in church. Like right now, I mean, you, I mean, you can't see yourself from my perspective, but when I look at you, I'm like, everybody really looks like they're really good Christians. Everybody. I mean, it's like everybody's like, man, y'all just doing the right thing right now. 
But it's the, being in church isn't really the test. The test is when you leave church. The test is when you live out in this world uh, all week long and, and the things of the world. The, the world has done a real good job of recruiting people. I'm going to say maybe even a better job than the church. So we must rise up and make disciples. And the most important disciples that you mothers and fathers can make is to make disciples of your children. Can you say amen to that? Beautiful. In motherhood, we have the opportunity to build a relationship that will build character and an opportunity for our child not just with the temporal things. I think I don't think that there's a mom or a dad here that doesn't want your children to have what you had or to have more than you have to do better. Uh, I would just caution you today not to spoil your children with the temporal things, but give them the eternal things and value the eternal things over the temporal things. And it's always a challenge because we live in a world that challenges us with the things that we own and what we have and, and what, we can, what we can give to our children. Let me tell you something. The most valuable thing that you can give to your child is the fact that God loves them and that God cares for them and that God wants to have a personal relationship with them. And I would just challenge everybody here today, make sure that your children have accepted Jesus as their personal Savior. I'm going to tell you, it's not really the church's job to save your kids. I mean, we're going to do all we can do, but that, that groundwork and the seeds that you sow at home will be the seeds that are grown, and, and it can happen here in the church. But I'm guaranteeing you that your children, if they come to know Christ as their personal Savior, it's going to be because you were that personal example to them. Amen? not a mere it's not just a religious activity it's a relationship reality my goodness run out of time Deuteronomy 499 it says take heed to yourself and diligently everybody say diligently diligently keep yourself lest you forget the things your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life and teach them to your children and your grandchildren. In other words, whatever you have learned, just naturally let your children have it. And I just want to pause here for a second. Uh, force feeding your children religion will never work. There's a lot of kids today that are walking away from the church when they get old enough to leave the house. And what I would just challenge everybody be, to be creative with your teaching of your children, but also to, to be that example to them and let them know how much you care about Christ. And because you care about Christ, you care about them and their relationship with Christ because it's such a valuable gift that we give to our kids, including our adult kids. So Proverbs 22:66 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. 
If the way we're training our children doesn't work, change the way we're training our children. I just wanted to pause there for a minute. If the way we're, we're training our children isn't working, let's change the way that we're training our children. And we're not really here so the kids can get what they want. We're here so God can get what he wants from the kids. Because if we belong to God, then who does our kids really belong to? And he'll take so much better care of us, so much better care of our kids. We don't know how to love. I did a wedding last night, and I told him that, that when you first get married, you think you're in love, but you don't really know what love is unless you've gone through some hard times with your, with your wife or with your husband. But when you go through things, then your love grows, and the becoming of one flesh is something that happens throughout your entire life. So my challenge to you today is to allow the process of training your children, embrace the process. We don't have to cram religion down anybody's throat. We just need to love them because there's a very famous chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. At the end of that chapter, there's three words that will be ingrained in, and it's a, it's a, uh, core value inside of me that will never leave me. And it's three words, and it says, love never fails. And when we love our children the way God would have us to love our children, it doesn't mean that they're going to react right there the way they need to react. But God will move in, and love will never fail. Marriages, when, they, when a married couple loves each other the way that God loves them, because God is love, the only way that we'll know how to love our spouse is by loving God the way that God loves us and to love our spouse the way that God loves our spouse, then our marriage will work because it's a three-strand cord and, and the, the kids can't really be healthy if the marriage isn't healthy. It's kind of like you get on the airplane, put the mask on yourself first, and then put it on your kids. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? <laughs> Woo! Be creative. Jesus was very creative. I loved, I love Jesus. Is there anybody here, just being real honest, that uh, parents, moms or dads, that you have regrets about the way you raise your kids. Raise your hand. You help me feel better because I got a few of them. <laughs> There's probably some kids here that have regrets the way, the, the way their parents raised them. I'm not going to ask you that, though. <laughs> but my point is, is that we've all messed up. <laughs> my point is is that we've all messed up. We've all messed up. There isn't any of us that hasn't just, you know. I used to live in my regrets. And I got convicted about that. Because God doesn't make perfect parents and I know you grandparents 
may not agree with this, but your grandkids are not perfect either. They're not. And probably one of the greatest gifts you can give to your grandkids is let them know that they're sinners too. It's not a condemnation word, but we've all sinned and we've all come short of the glory of God. And if we don't, if we're not clear about that, then why would we, why would our kids need to give their heart to God and ask for forgiveness if everybody's telling them they've never, they're, they're good, they're good, they're, you're all such good kids, you never done anything wrong. No, we've all sinned. Let's be honest with our kids. Can I get an amen from somebody? It's not a message of condemnation because we've been in those church services and we've heard those preachers that just cram it down their throat. You're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell because you messed up, you messed up, you messed up. But here, what God, Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. I came into the world to save the world. And we have to understand that we need a savior before we're ever going to get saved. So God convicted me because I messed up a lot of things with my kids. I mean, as far as regrets, but here's, here's what God showed me. He showed me that the reason that the devil, our enemy, wants us to live in our regrets is because we can never, ever do anything about our past. Your past is always gonna be your past, no matter what you're doing right now. And you don't need to, you need, you don't, we don't need to uh, magnify the things that we've done in our past, but sometimes the regrets that we have in life become magnified, and when we magnify the regrets, then that stifles our progress in our growth with God because we're living in the past and living in regrets. And I'm gonna tell you, there's somebody here this morning that really needs to hear this, that you've been living in regret of your past mistakes. Let me tell you something, just be real honest with you. You can't do anything about your past, but you can do something about your future. You can do something right now about what you're doing right now. And the first thing we need to do is let go of the past because we can't do anything about it. Let go of our regrets. And when we let go of our regrets, then healing comes, the no pain thing. The pain of regret is a bad, terrible thing. Let it go, let the pain go, let God forgive you, and then accept his forgiveness. And then if we need to do something, if we need to apologize to somebody, apologize to them. If they don't accept your apologies, move on. I'm gonna tell you something, we've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. But Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. That's the promised life that God promised to all those who would believe. And the question still remains, do you want to get well? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for your many blessings. I thank you, Lord, that that you've provided a way for peace. I thank you, Jesus, that you have brought peace into marriages, brought peace into homes, brought peace into families, brought peace into the church. 
minister, Lord, to us this morning, we pray. I'd like for you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second. The Bible says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But he's also said that if you want to make heaven your home, that you must be born again. And being born again is saying, God, I give my life to you and I want to be born spiritually. We've all been born physically, but Jesus was talking about a spiritual birth, an eternal birth. So today, if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, maybe if you have and you just haven't been living for him, simply by raising your hand, say, Preacher, I need Jesus in my heart. I need to make him the Lord of my life. Slip your hand up high. Anybody? Preacher, that's me. Yep, thank you. Back in the back. We're going to leave your hand up until we get a Bible in your hand. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. Yeah, baby. Thank you. Leave your hand up right here. Yeah. Anybody else? Preacher, slip your hand up. Don't be shy. It's a great, it's a it's the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. I'm I'm just so proud of y'all. You can put your hand down once you get your Bible. Anybody else? Anybody else? Look here, if you raise your hand, I want you to look up at me. Would you mind coming up? Let me pray with you back in the back. Come on. Come on, baby. Yeah, thank you. I'm proud of you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm so proud of you. You're getting rid of those regrets, aren't you? I know you are. Come on. Anybody else? We're so happy. Thank you, Jesus. It's a beautiful day. Bless you, my friend. I'm proud for you. Bless you, my friend. Bless you. Look at here. I want to pray with you all, okay? Here's what the Bible says. It says, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God's raised him from the dead, that we'll be saved. You see, this is all about the resurrection because we would just be going through the motions if there wasn't a resurrected Jesus. I don't know if you've ever wondered what the true religion is. The true religion is the one that embraces the resurrection. Nobody could do that but God. And that's why we, that's why we serve Jesus is because he's the God of the resurrection. So today I want to pray with you. I want to help you confess, but you have to believe in your heart. Can we do that? Y'all help us pray. Just repeat after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for dying on the cross. For my sins. For my sins. Lord, I am a sinner. Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. I invite you into my life. From this day forward. From this day forward. I give my life to you. I give my life to you. Help me to read my Bible. Help me to read my Bible. To pray. To pray. Show up for church. Show up for church. And get baptized. Get baptized. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Teach me to love you more. Teach me to love you more. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 I'm so proud for y'all. Welcome to the family. Listen, don't look back. The devil will remind you of your past, and you just remind the devil of his future. We're, we're born again believers, and we, we're part of the family of God. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect. You're going to have the same problems you had when you came to church. But you have Jesus now, and the Holy Spirit, to help you, guide you through all your problems of life. Acknowledge him. Keep praying. He'll help you. Show up. Let us, let us help you. Go visit these guys over here for just a second. Thank you, guys. I'm so proud of you. Stand with me, please.
been a good week. It's been a good week. We've got a prayer team up here. If anybody needs special prayer for anything at all, we, we'd love to pray with you. I'm going to say, preacher, I, uh, I have some regrets in my life I need to let go of. Raise your hand. Let me pray for you. Let's all raise our hands and surrender to God and surrender of our hearts and our minds to him. Lord, today I pray, oh God, that you'd help us to let go of the regrets. Help us, Lord, to leave them here at the altar, oh God. I pray, Lord, that you would lead us and guide us and direct us in the paths of righteousness. I pray for all the moms that, that, that they'll be able to train up their children and that the way they, they should go, that when they're old, they won't depart from it. We just confess that we need your help and we need your guidance and we surrender our will to you and pray, Lord, that you would have your way in our hearts, in our minds, our bodies, and our souls. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. amen. God bless y'all. We love you. Thank you so much. Happy Mother's Day to y'all.